0: I was watching a pastor on YouTube, I was, and he he was um, talking about when he was uh, talking to a seminary class, and he asked the the students, what was it that was uh, Jesus' emphasis when he came to earth? What was the message that he wanted most to impart to people? And they were thinking about who Jesus was and the the, the words that they would most apply to him. And most of the students said um, love. Um, And obviously there's some validity to this. But the reason Jesus came to earth was to proclaim the kingdom of God. Of which love, of course, is a very important part. But it was to proclaim the kingdom of God. If you were to look into the book of Matthew, for example, and you looked up how many times he mentioned love, how many times he commanded us to love, Within 15, what would you say would be the number of times Jesus mentioned love in the book of Matthew? Five. He mentioned the kingdom 50 times. He talked about the kingdom over and over and over again, of which love is a part, a very important part, but the main thing that we uh, keep in mind here is that Uh, A message that I want to make sure I impart today is that when we go out into the world to proclaim Jesus, we are generally proclaiming a Jesus that's very different from what those people are expecting, because they expect to hear messages purely of love. We're dealing with something of which love is a component. We're going to see this here in um, Luke 7, and it's something that um, plays into what I'm talking about here, and that is, again... The Jesus that people are picturing out there is very different from the Jesus we're going to be describing and that we share with them and whom we worship. Much more, much greater. And it's this limitation of Jesus so often that comes into play when we are um, uh, also living out our own lives as Christians. Luke 7, they were, they were filled with awe and praised God. These were the, uh, the people who were gathered around him who saw him doing the miracle after miracle, and now they were praising God. They were filled with awe and praising God and said, a great prophet has appeared among us. They said, God has come to help his people. And this news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. Now John, John the Baptist's disciples, told him about all these things. Remember, John was in jail. And calling to them, he sent them to the Lord and to ask them, are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Why would he... Why would what he was hearing about Jesus make him think that Jesus was the wrong person? Um, When the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to you to ask, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? And at that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits, and he gave sight to many who were blind. And so he replied to the messengers, Go back and report to John what you've seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised. Do you remember the last line? And good news is proclaimed to the poor. This is the kingdom that we are a part of, that we have stepped into. Remember what we said over and over again over the last few months, that when we go into the kingdom of God, we emigrate. From the kingdom that we're in now, the realm of this world, we emigrate into the kingdom of God. When you try to keep one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom, you're a house divided. And what happens to a house that's divided? Can't stand. Can't stand. And it's one of the things that separates so many different churches. You know that I'm passionate about the church. I'm passionate about the body of Christ. What is the church that God has created, what Jesus has created, out of us as living stones to make into the group that he wants to do his work on earth to go in and confront the powers of evil that are after the rest of the people in the world, that are after us? The the, uh, roaring lion who is prowling around looking for who he may devour. This kingdom that we are a part of, that we step into, that we become a part of then... Is alien to the world, and when we go into the world to speak to the world, the world doesn't understand it very well. The Lord has um, obviously revealed Himself to His people, and calls upon His people then to carry this to others. And this idea of going to the poor was one that, as I thought, when I think about Jesus, when I think about Him coming to Earth in His power, I think about the healing. I think about um, the—I've been thinking about healing a lot lately, in fact. Um, I think about the lame walking and the blind seeing and the deaf hearing. I think about all these manifestations of power that the Lord comes and shows us that uh, reveal to us just how powerful he is and how it is that he is um, resisting and fighting back against the powers of evil that seem to make our life and work to make our life so miserable. So miserable, in fact, that oftentimes in our misery we take our eyes off of God and we doubt God's ability or even willingness to help us out of the situation that we're in. The people of God are called to exercise the power of God, but also understanding that there is power in the word that we are proclaiming. That as we go into and talk to the people of of the world who are struggling and suffering and oppressed, we are being spoken to also to bring the power of the good news to show the way out. Oh, the church... I've been been thinking about the church so much for the last year. Um, Something that I thought for a long time that I understood perfectly. You know, when you you think you know the answer to something, when you think you understand something, you stop looking at it. You move on to the next thing and figure, now my problem is solved here, I've got this all worked out, it's time to go to the next thing. The church is, in fact, as the bride of Christ, one flesh with him. You understand how Jesus describes... um, Uh, marriage you're now one flesh we are one flesh with christ going into the world to change and do this kingdom work and the poor which is such a um, uh, an important part of the bible's teaching from the old testament to the new figures very prominently in here i've been uh, going to i've been spending a lot of time on youtube for a while have you gone in there and seen how many great sermons there are how many great teachings there are there are, there are hundreds of thousands of all levels of quality and all levels of accuracy and all levels of um, biblical accuracy, frankly, and so you have to learn to separate the wheat from the chaff, but there are some incredible teachings out there. But one thing that I'm finding, and I've, I've suspected this for a long time, is that the church, being made up of human beings, shows some human traits, and one of those traits is that each one of us, when we look at the gospel, when we look at Jesus um, as human beings, we have certain things that ring our chimes and certain things that don't, right? <laughs> Feedback. Um, <laughs> there are things that and we, most of us associate ourselves with churches that exhibit those things. There are teaching churches, there are preaching churches, there are healing churches, there are evangelical churches, you know, you know there's all, they all describe themselves in various ways and they think of themselves as having specialized in one area that they really hammer at. Um, the thing that I like, the name that I like for a church is like the, the uh, Full Gospel Church. I like that name. I like the idea that nothing's left out, that it focuses on everything, and that we understand that when we're dealing with God, we're dealing about with him in his entirety. I've learned myself to not say, God, I need your power. God, I need your advice. God, I need your counsel. God, I need your strength. I've learned to say, God, I need you. Don't let me limit what I'm asking for when I'm dealing with you. Don't let me wall off some aspect of you because I think all of my problems lie in this one area. Let you be about your business, be about your work the way you want to handle it, including many, of course, things that I would never have thought to ascertain or to have thought to ask about. In dealing with a lot of these sermons, they specialize there's a, there's a church that I glommed on in uh, Redding, California, a little while ago that seems to specialize in healing. They're very well known for healing. People come from all over the world to go talk to this guy about healing, and they talk about healing all the time. And it's very encouraging, and it's very exciting to see the kind of things that take place there. And I googled if I could find a sermon from this church that dealt with the poor, and there weren't any. Um, I went to some other churches that had the same thing. The idea of healing, like I say, has been and power has been uh, on my mind a lot lately. And there's a guy in Denmark who I found who um, goes out into, the, into, the, into uh, Europe, various parts of Europe. He actually, he was just in the United States not too terribly long ago. And he goes up to people and he just walks up to them and he heals them. And they go away healed. But they, they don't hear much about Jesus. They don't hear much about who it is that healed them, why it is that he healed them. They get healed and they go away happy, but they don't go away praising God. Um, I'm glad to see the people healed. I don't, I don't object to their being healed. Um, I don't know what God's going to do with them after they get back home. But I think the idea of healing in Jesus' name without talking about Jesus is a mistake, and so there's something missing, I think, from this person. Um, I, I pray for this. This guy loves God. I know he loves God. And yet goes into the world, and for some, for some reason, the gospel is left out of the healing. Um, I, like, uh, I like churches that stress the gospel and that stress fellowship. I latch on to churches where I feel like I am a part of the group. I've been looking for attachment, I've been looking for engagement all my life, and in this church I find it in a way that I haven't found it anyplace else. Um, And if all this church offered was attachment, I would have to leave. Attachments not enough. We are here to worship the living God, to give ourselves to the Jesus who indwells us, who saved us, and is working within us to do incredible things, way beyond what the people in this church, in this room, would ordinarily be expected to do. One of the things that we talk about here oftentimes is we're up to big game. I, I, I love that Steve says that to me all the time. We're up to big game. The kind of things that we're attacking, we're dealing with the powers of Satan. We're, we're dealing not just with these little diddly problems. We're dealing with something very substantial, that is, um, uh, has caused us to fall from God and fall from grace in the first place. That makes God's grace so necessary to bring us back. We're up the big game here to confront the power of Satan and not just to do good works. Now, I was raised in a church where good works was the, really the most important thing. We had fundraisers, we had programs, we had all these things that we would pull together in order to send money to various places and do all kinds of nice things. But in Jesus' case, and in the Bible's case, going back to Isaiah uh, and back actually to Leviticus, God's concern for the poor comes up over and over and over again. Now I'm going to level with you. To my knowledge, I don't know any poor people. They don't live in my neighborhood. They don't work in my office. Um, if there, there's anybody that I know that's poor, they're playing it very close to the vest. Um, I haven't gone out to seek them. I've been perfectly happy to write my checks. I've been perfectly happy to say long, involved prayers. Not that they're ineffectual. But that's not what Jesus is telling me to do here and telling us to do here. And who are the poor? And we deal with the churches that that come at the gospel from different directions And the poor are held in very different um, uh, levels of esteem in a lot of these churches. Um, There are churches that will tell you that Jesus is not talking about the literal poor here, people without money. That they're talking instead about people who are poor in spirit, Uh, We don't have to deal with their problems with poverty or with uh, the other things that they're struggling with, but if we just uh, tackle the poverty of spirit that they have, we will be doing what Jesus says and obeying it. I don't think that's what this is at all. When he's quoting um, Isaiah in the temple, when he sat down in the temple and said, Today this scripture is uh, fulfilled in your hearing, he talked about bringing good news to the poor. He was talking about the real poor, he was talking about people who would um, uh, would not have anything to eat if it were not that somebody else, by God's grace, came along and made sure that they had something. The kind of people that were told by God, for example, not to harvest all of their crops so that the poor would be able to go into the fields and glean, that they would have something to eat, that they were supposed to take care of specifically widows and orphans who were struggling to raise their children, struggling to feed their families, Um, They weren't being told that they were having too many kids. Jesus, Isaiah never said that. Go and take care of the people that are there that need this help, healing and helping the poor. And the good news is, of course, um, the scripture, the good news of the gospel. And the funny thing is I'm, I'm thinking like, okay, they need more than the gospel, Right? Jesus even tells us, if you pass a person who is hungry and they are hungry and you say to them, God bless you, go and be well, what good is that to them and what credit is it to you? That as we as Christians, we as people who belong to Jesus, long to see righteousness and justice done, and that includes the fact that uh, people are fed and cared for. The poor are, in fact, uh, in here, uh, the people who are deprived. For whatever reason. And our job, our call, our good, the good news that we preach is to go and care for them. Um, I have to, I'm having a little trouble with this this morning. Uh, we've been talking today, about, I guess, about the, our church being under attack. I think there's some truth to that. I think we're about to have a, a very, very important breakthrough at some point in the near future. And I think Satan knows it, and I think he's after us, and he's coming at us and using just about every tool that he has. And right now, what he's done for me is my knees are as weak as water, and I can't put two words together, and I'm getting flop sweat, and um, I'm looking at the words that I've written here and thinking, I don't even remember writing these down, which is my sign that the, uh, the Lord is starting to... Take me into a different direction than what I intended. He does this once in a while. Are there poor in our community, in Arnold, that we can be serving now physically and spiritually both? Are there churches in our community, if there are churches that specialize in different things? Are there churches in our community that have specialized in feeding and caring for the widows and orphans and the poor? That's, that's sort of a legitimate question. Are there? Do we know of any that here, that their reputation has gone out into the community in a way that we know that this church and the community knows this church, in their obedience to God, in their uh, service to their Lord, in their um, uh, obedience to the, what they're being told to do, goes out and feeds poor people? Um, taking care of the widows and orphans... There's a church, I can never remember the name of it. Um, Steve, the, the church in Curtis Bay that we've been working with, Julie? The, the, re- the Well. The well. Is, that, is that the right, is that the one? Um, God help me, I did my part. I went up once in the last year and served them dinner. There were poor people came in, about 60 poor people came in, and we fed them dinner. And I went, home, I went home feeling very good about myself, that I had done my part. And doggone it, I'll do this again next year. When it's our turn to go up again, I'll do this every year. So they will have easily 25 meals because of Scott Schuler, That I went up and put mashed potatoes on their plate. That I did not cook, by the way. <laughs> but I served and did and I'm like, I think we need to engage our community. Now, one of the things about the, peop- the, the people of God, when there's a, there's a certain amount of confusion, I think, um, about when, when God is talking to us to be uh, who he wants us to be, the people of God is us. Um, oftentimes, um, there's a sense, I hear this, I don't want I, I to get political, I don't. But there are a lot of people who think when Jesus is talking about the people of God, and these are the people of God, if my people who are called by my name will turn to me and pray, they're talk, I think they're talking about America. They're not talking about America. They're talking about the body of Christ, which exists within America. We're the people who listen to Jesus. Um, it's, it's tempting to think that other people might listen to him, that other people might follow his, his teachings, that other people might like the things that he has to say. But who has surrendered to Jesus? His people is us, working within the world to do the things that he wants done. Um, we have become eager as a people to allow other groups to take care of this um, and satisfied ourselves with this. When Jesus came and sought out the people who were suffering, sought out the people who were oppressed, sought out the people who were, who were forgotten, um, many of these were the poor. Now, the thing about the poor remember then, is like I, like I said earlier, I don't really know many people who are poor, any people who are poor. In Jerusalem, you saw them on the streets. Uh, you didn't have to go to a poor neighborhood to meet the poor. They were at the city gate. And so when people would go in, you would you encounter these people and you would help them if, if you were so inclined uh, in order to give them the kind of help that they needed. Um, I think we have to be a little more... Um, forthcoming, a little more proactive in order to do this. The other, A thing about the poor that strikes me, for example, also, this is, I know this isn't flowing very well. Instead of um, a narrative, I think what I have today is a series of blocks with which I'm building a building. Um, I think about the poor widow. Remember the widow in the church? And Jesus goes in there with his people and they look at the widow and what does she do? puts the two little copper coins, two lepta in there, the widow's mites. Did Jesus say to her, ma'am, we don't need your money. You're poor. You take this back. Take it home. You need it to do what you're doing. He said, nothing of the kind. In fact, he used it as an example of what happens when supreme love and sacrifice overrules all of our worldly considerations. This is not something that we're typically taught. Our worldly considerations typically come first. We deal with the things that we have to deal with. I do the same thing. We deal with all of these things upon which we superimpose our faith. Take the things that I'm working on and make them as holy as you can, which is not the same thing as surrender, which I guess calls into question then as we pray, Lord, how do we live in this culture With all of the demands that it has, with all of the requirements, with what it takes in order to make a living around here, how do I give this to you? You show me how I live for you in this world according to the kingdom of God. I want to honor you in all ways, whether it's dealing with people who are blind, with people who are sick, or with people who are hungry, or with people who are poor, who are suffering for whatever reason. There is a need for the church to assert itself as the people of God doing the work of God. Um, I think that what has happened is the world out there has not the slightest idea who Jesus is. Um, it's, all, it's all made up. It's, it's a, a corrupt amalgam of various stories about an ineffectual God who I can remember when I was in um, college, we were told that God, uh, Jesus was a hippie. Anybody remember that? Any Jesus freaks here from the '60s? And this made us feel very good about ourselves, since we were hippies. We were pre- we were preaching what? Peace. We were preaching peace. Um. But it was, but there was no, there was no peace, because the fact of the matter is that we were stealing even at that time to fight somebody. Um, our culture doesn't understand really who Jesus is. As we go into deal with the poor, there is um the, the need to bind up wounds, the need to sacrifice, the need to give uh what it is that we take not out of our surplus. And I'm not I'm saying this is one one of the things I've mentioned a number of times. This is a shared journey. I'm not good at this. Um every everything that I give comes out of my surplus. Um as we um, offer ourselves up to the Lord and allow him to do what he wants to do, we hear him speak and we just say, how are we to do it? It's a big job. I am disinclined to do it. I am disinclined to do it the way that I see is going on in the scripture. How do I give myself to you and allow you to be about your work, changing me and making me into who I am, but also empowering me to do the things that you want to do, enabling me, training me, building me up, and then empowering me and enabling me by the power of the Holy Spirit to actually go and do it. It's one thing to be equipped, which I'm very happy for. It's one thing to be trained and prepared. It's another thing to actually go and do. Um, My life has been, one, primarily devoted to talking as opposed to doing, which is why I feel good about feeding 60 people once a year rather than an ongoing uh, engagement with the people of God who are suffering, who are being left out, who are oppressed in our neighborhood, um, whom we don't see. What I'm going to start doing, my promise to you, is to go out and find who these people are and find out if there's anyone out there who is already, in the name of Jesus Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit, engaging these folks and serving these people the way that we're supposed to, feeding them, washing their feet, whatever it takes in order to be the kind of uh, church, the kind of body of Christ that the Lord calls us to. It's a very uncomfortable thing. Um, it puts you in a position of vulnerability. It puts you in a position of shame. Um, sometimes when you're around people who are really suffering and you're doing well, do you feel shame? I do. I feel embarrassed um, that, that I should be so blessed and they should not, and that... Perhaps when I leave them, I leave them in the same condition that they're in. Our call, according to as Jesus is talking to us, to be the Jesus that he identifies himself as being, is to go and take care of the widows and orphans. Let's start in our midst. Are there people in our church who are, who are stewards of the church right now, who are having trouble making ends meet, who are suffering from perhaps a, um, a, a nasty divorce, raising children by themselves, what? Start there, and then we work out into the community. My understanding is there is a lot of suffering on the Broadneck Peninsula, and we just don't, we just don't see it. So we're going to go find it. I'm going to start myself. My, my um, uh, promise is to start doing that this week and going out and finding out who these are. Now, I'll tell you, one of the things that I found out... Um, this happened before we came to this church, before Denise and I came to this church. We belonged to a small church that had like 14 people in it, meeting at Anne Arundel Community College, um, the name of which Denise is about to remind me of, Severn River, River Church. Thank you, Denise. Um, we had, it was a church plant, do you know what that, so, so a church from Pasadena planted this church and so everybody from the church was from Pasadena. We were the only people in the church who were from the Broadneck Peninsula. We were the only ones from Arnold. We didn't we we that's all you know, we had all these people from someplace else with less of a vested interest in our community than we had. And so I said, let's let's get started. I'm going to go around and meet with all the churches and I'm going to find out what they're doing. What are they doing? What are their ministries? Well how are people suffering here? How are you engaging the community with the love of Jesus Christ? in order to lift them up out of the problems that they're in, to offer them the gospel or to offer them whatever help that they need. And I went to about ten churches around here, and, and you, I, you won't believe what I found. No one would talk to me. They wouldn't talk to me. They wouldn't return my calls. They wouldn't, they wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't let me in to see the pastor. This happened over and over and over again, except here. I called Gary, and I came in here, and Gary talked to me for two hours. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I, I, I got I to gotta go. I got I to gotta go. Yeah. I, I have churches that are waiting to, you know, rege- reject me. And so two hours. I said, There's something different here. There's something underway here. There's something in progress here. Uh, we had a lot of things to work through, as you know. A lot of these chairs were full back then. Um, the Lord has winnowed it down to a, to a group of people who are faithful that we're going to start with and we're going to start all over again. He knew what the needs were, He knew what the magnitude of the problem was, He knew how to find them. Um, let's start doing that. As we begin to understand what is, what is our call, the big game, first of all, is to go out and find where Satan is just absolutely ruining people's lives. It could be spiritually, it could be materially. But he is having a field day working with people who are in no position to fend him off. And we know how to do it. We have Jesus. We have the power of the Holy Spirit, the authority that he gives us to bind the things on earth that are bound in heaven, to loose the things on earth that are loosed in heaven for the sake of the, of the coming kingdom. We are equipped to do that. And I figure that the, what I see here is a core group of people who, who I know feel that way. I hear it all the time. I hear it all the time a depth of understanding, a depth of desire, a thirst to know what it is that Jesus wants in going and doing it, understanding that we are empowered to do so, directed to whoever it is that the Lord wants us to go to.